Hi, I'm Jenna. And I'm Mark. And you're listening to Cincinnati Zoo Tales. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Cincinnati Zoo Tales. We're really excited today. We've got a special birthday podcast yes. for Tucker. Happy birthday to our hippo Tucker. Yes, happy birthday to Tucker. We're recording this a couple days early, but it should be coming out on Tucker's birthday. He's turning how old today? 19, 19. on May 18th. So we just missed his golden birthday. Oh, we just missed it last year. Yeah. Man. We'll have to celebrate extra special this year. Just, yeah, <laughs> just we to are. Make up for it. Yes, we're actually going to celebrate, have a party for him. So hopefully... People are coming and they'll be here to say happy birthday to Tucker. Yeah, it'll be fun for sure. For sure. But we're recording this episode mostly about Tucker and his journey and what it's been like for us to get to take care of him and bring him into Cincinnati and integrate him with BB and Fiona with our existing hippos. But we did want to take this opportunity, or personally, I wanted to take this opportunity. Jenna, we've gotten to learn a lot about other keepers and other people at the zoo and even just conservationists in the field. I haven't really been able to talk about your story on record. Like, we haven't recorded, really, your background, what it was like for you coming up as a keeper. So I wanted to hear a little bit about it, if you don't mind. That's true. I guess we've never given my background (laughs) before. But, yeah, that's a long story. Um, (laughs) So just what got you interested growing up in wildlife? I think it's the same thing as most people you hear. I don't know. I loved animals growing up, so I did the typical, like, catching all the frogs and turtles and snakes and grasshoppers and things that I could that probably wasn't best for the animals. (laughs) And I regret it, you know, at this day. um, But it's how you fall in love as a kid. You don't know any better as a kid. I was obsessed with them. Yeah, like I would seriously spend all day just checking puddles in my neighborhood for things and like walking around uh, ponds. And then even in high school, if I'd go to the lake with friends, I would make them take me out on their paddle boat and like, a net and go and try and catch turtles. (laughs) (laughs) Turtles were always my favorite growing up. But yeah, so I started out just loving animals and not really knowing what I wanted to do. And I think the biggest like zoo moment I had was I saw somebody bring out, it was either a morning dove or a pigeon, just a really common, simple bird like that at the Fort Wayne Children's Zoo where I'm from. And I thought it'd be so cool to be that person that got Mm. to handle the animal and like show people. But other than that, I didn't really know like I wanted to be a zookeeper or what I wanted to do. So I went to college at Indiana University. They didn't have a zoology degree, so I did biology and um, a certificate in animal behavior. So honestly, it was a lot of medical stuff. I don't think I Mm. learned a whole lot about animal care in college. And I think a lot of people might say that. I don't know. Maybe the zoology majors. I think that's kind of like the people who are general biology majors. I think the focus of it is the medical field and that's where the people tend to go. So I think that's pretty common for a lot of people who just get biology degrees. Yeah. Yeah. It was really hard. But (laughs) (laughs) thankfully, again, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but Somebody told me about internships with animals. So there was actually a Native Wildlife Rehab Center in Bloomington, Indiana, where I was. So I stayed Mm -hmm. one summer and helped out there. And it was incredible with, you know, working with animals that could be released or that's the goal. Most of them can. So lots of birds coming in. We had timers and we would like set them, depending on their age, they needed to be fed every 10, 15, 20 minutes. You just go around this room for eight hours a day feeding these little baby (laughs) fledgling birds. Um, Or, you know, we had raccoons and possums and they were tons of fun and, um, that was amazing, and I still think that would be my dream job, but it was run on volunteers. I mean, there were three full-time staff, and I know they, like, rode their bike to work. They didn't have air conditioning. You know, they were hardly making enough to feed themselves, but they were so dedicated to it, which was incredible. But, 
you know, I just felt like I needed to be able to afford living for yeah. myself. So, um, unfortunately I think that's the story with like a lot of native wildlife yes. rehab release places is it's just people who are in it for the love of the animals and it's very admirable, but there's not, it's really hard to make a living doing that. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I think there were like 60 volunteers helping at that time when I was there. So, um, I did that and then I eventually had an internship at a exotic animal sanctuary where they took in animals that used to be pets. So people had like lions and tigers as pets and mm. obviously that didn't work out very well, or yeah. maybe they were confiscated from breeding situations. Um, they had chimps and things and I led tours for that. I didn't actually care for animals. And then, um, I graduated and still didn't know what I was doing exactly, but I knew I wanted to take care of animals at that point. So I applied for an internship at the Cincinnati zoo and a job. There was a children's zoo opening this was back in 2009 and I really thought like I had a chance at it. And now looking back, I like laugh <laughs> at myself like one. No, like there was a union. There were people applying from within the zoo, but also like it is so hard to get yeah. a full time animal care job. This was a full time position I was applying for and truly thought I had a chance yeah. at it. But I think we've all been there, though, fresh out of college. You're like ready to take on the world. You're like, surely I can get this full time yeah. job. I've got a college degree. Right. What else do I need? Why didn't I go to college? <laughs> That's not what I need. Uh, no, but it's funny because, yeah, these days now, it took me four and a half years after that, mm. after the internship that I had here to get a full-time job. So I think um, that's something anyone growing up thinking they might want to be a keeper, like be patient, especially if you're coming to a bigger zoo. It can be hard. The The turnover rate is very low because we all love our jobs. Um, but yeah, so I interned half day with Wild Encounters and that was the very first year they ever did Wild Encounters. Okay. And then half day with Jungle Trails. Now I quickly learned that I am not interested in being a primate keeper. <laughs> so that was um, definitely a learning experience and I had fun, but I don't know. There's something about primates that it's a, a, it's a lot like taking care of humans and mm. it's very dangerous and very loud and very messy and just yeah. wasn't my thing. But, um, I, I think primate, they're, they're kind of a specialist <laughs> yes. keepers. Like they're really keepers who that's what they want to take care of. That's what they're dedicated to and more power to them. Definitely. That's amazing. We need those keepers in the field, but I definitely relate to you on that one. I am. I, primates are not for me personally, no, I admire them. They're fascinating. I want to learn about them, but I do not have interest in taking care of them. Yeah. I'm glad I, I got that little, you know, peek into what it would be like. Obviously the full timers were doing training and all sorts of things. I'm sure I would have enjoyed, but yeah, I don't know. It just wasn't for me. And, but I did really like getting the education side of things. So I was working with the public with Wild Encounters and you know, handling animals hands-on. I think that was part of it. As like an intern, I didn't get to really go near these dangerous primates, but I got to handle like hawks and snakes and owls and things. Which is still really cool, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. So I did that for a little while. Um, That's cool that the internship program allowed you to do kind of both because it's changed over the years. Yes. And now you specialize and you'll spend your whole day in one area, but... That's really unique that you got to spend time in two different areas at the time. Yeah, like, definitely. I'm not sure if that was better or worse for the full-time keepers. Like, you know, it's really nice to have an intern that mm -hmm. spends the whole day with you and they get to know the whole routine and they can really help you out. But it was really awesome as an intern. Um, yeah, so I got to see different sides of things and thought I might want to go the education route. And then um, I was hired on for Wild Encounters and worked that for about a year and a half. And then I realized it's it's really hard to talk to the public all day long. Yeah. Like it's exhausting. And so I had been interning with, or sorry, volunteering with the elephant house in the meantime on my off days. 
And of course, I fell in love. And the elephants How are amazing, not, right? right? <laughs> oh, and a um, giraffe. So elephant house was taking care of giraffe and elephants at that time. I became a seasonal when Amanda Weissel, who we actually talked to in one of our other podcasts about farming and things, um, she became a full-time keeper and I got her seasonal spot with the giraffe okay. and elephants. So I was primarily working with the giraffe, but I got to help out with the elephants, which is incredible. And looking back, like not getting that full-time job for so long, I got to go to so many different departments and take care of so many different animals. Like, yeah, I'm not an expert in anything, but I like have a little bit of knowledge with a lot of different species. So I think that's really cool. It's very valuable too, to be able to take care of a diverse group, especially it suited you well for the job that you have now as a full-timer in Africa, because Definitely. we do have such a diverse collection here in our exhibit. But so you were seasonal in elephant and giraffe, and then where were you seasonal after that? Well, so I really lucked out with the timing of things. Somebody went out for shoulder surgery in the commissary. So I was working in um, Elephant House from like March to October, and then it just worked out perfectly that I was October to March in commissary filling okay. in for somebody. I went back to Elephant, and then there was um, another job, um, a really short opportunity they called me and said we can offer you two weeks this is all we can promise in wildlife canyon and i had just gotten a full-time job with benefits at like this fancy dog kennel resort place and i decided to quit that and go for this two-week no opportunity in canyon. Awesome. i mean there were sumatran rhinos yeah like, how I could had you a, say no oh my gosh <laughs> i had the opportunity to work with sumatran rhinos and that is one of my like most proud or thankful or grateful opportunities yeah. I've ever had. It's incredible to work with an animal that you know there are only 80, if yeah. that, left in the entire world. Anyways, and I can only, believe about the Only a couple but... dozen people have ever gotten to take care right. of them, too. They're so specialized, so unique. Like, that's an amazing opportunity to say that you were able to do that. It's such a cool experience. Yes. Yeah. It was It was so cool. And, and props to you for taking the leap of faith. <laughs> like, right. I'm going to not take this full-time job so I get this two-week position. Right. Like, uh, thankfully, it worked out, and I ended up being there until May. So that was, like, at least five months in the canyon. Mm -hmm. And, again, I'm still, like, this whole time in the back of my mind, why am I not full-time yet? I just want a full-time job. I'm this old. I should be, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then there was an opportunity in the interpretive department, which was an 11 month permanent position, but I would be laid off once a, once a month or um, one month one a month, year. Yeah. And I was like, do I need to go for like consistency and try and, you know, have more definite year round work. And I could have stayed at the Canyon, but that wasn't promised like how long I would get because it was still a seasonal position. Yeah. So took another leap of faith and went to the interpretive department, which wasn't necessarily something I would have wanted to stay in full time, but I had that background with education and interpreting with animals and all of those um, smaller animals that you could actually handle. So I did like it, but we also had the opportunity to work with the cheetahs. So we helped out uh, with the cheetahs that live in the cheetah yard that you can see oh, okay. publicly. Um, so I got that carnivore experience, which was really important for my future and bat-eared foxes and a lot of training opportunities. I got to work with Walter. Anyone who remembers Walter yeah. the Warthog, I was one of his very first trainers and like caretakers. So again, it just like, it's really cool. Sorry. I feel like I'm, yeah. this is weird to talk about myself so much. <laughs> I had so many cool opportunities. I'm just like thinking back on now, but, um, interpretive, obviously a smaller animals. And I knew this like full-time Africa position was coming up. So this was 2013. So this is while the Africa exhibit was still being constructed. Correct. correct. Okay. Yes. And I knew they were going to hire four keepers. So I went to the animal director at the time, Bob Lesnow, 
and I said, what do I need to do to get this job? Like, please tell me any advice. I want, I want this position so badly. And he was like, you need to be a real animal keeper again. And I was like, what does that what mean? That? But he was more referring to like large animals and... Um, because that's what you'd be getting in Africa. Exactly. Okay. Yes. So not the interpretive animals. And so I was like, okay, well, I don't know what I can do about that. And then I don't know how. I lucked out once again. Timing perfectly worked out. The seasonal from... Uh, giraffe and elephant wasn't coming back and they had a position. So I went back for the third time. The giraffe and elephant. <laughs> the giraffe and elephant. And um, was there until like J June or so of 2014. And then I, I got hired into Africa when it first opened. So yeah, that's a long story, but. <laughs> no, that's incredible experience though. And you are one of like the the founding members, so to speak, of the keeper team in yes. Africa. There were four at the start, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wendy, who we've talked to a lot, Dana and Dan, and um, it'd be interesting. I feel like we could do a whole episode on what it's like to start a brand new, like, exhibit, yeah. habitat, department. Everything was brand new, including the keepers and bosses and or lack thereof. And everything. And, yeah, there was yeah. a lot <laughs> going on. So um, I learned a lot through that process, but it was it was stressful, but very, very exciting. And then we got hit with a million babies, like, yeah. that following year or maybe that year i can't even remember at this point but but that's awesome you got to keep the draft too right yes! the draft came from elephant house oh my to gosh. be part of the africa i was so excited yeah it took about a year before we uh, we brought them back on okay. or brought them to the africa care team but i was so excited to go back with yeah them. that's awesome they have my heart for <laughs> sure you know they were my my main my main animals that i got to start with so from all this you worked in multiple different departments. Obviously, you mentioned the Sumatran rhinos are one insane highlight that don't blame you. That's incredible. You yes. got to have that experience. Is there anything else that like really sticks out, like an animal or an experience that you had from all your time? Well, I mean, obviously Fiona stands out. Well, that, okay. Like, besides, okay Fiona, besides Fiona. Besides Fiona. Fiona's oh her gosh. own story, her own beast. Like, You know, that's a good question because I have a terrible memory, but thinking back, just like... All of the giraffe births I've been, mm. like, since we had the herd that we have now, I've been here for all of them. Not necessarily in the barn with, for the birth, but I've been here throughout the all of their pregnancies. Yeah. And I have been for five giraffe births. So those always stood out. Like, got to see it happening in the moment. Very, very cool. It's incredible yeah. to watch. Yeah. And then, <laughs> like, the painted dog pups were just amazing and, you know working with them and seeing them grow up and getting to be a part of that really special special species um, is definitely something that stands out to me. And yeah, I don't know. It was it was really fun to have Walter as a baby. He came in at eight weeks old. And yeah, that's amazing. Little Walt. God, yeah. he was so precious. <laughs> he was the best. Yeah, he was such a fun boy. But Oh my gosh, I'm, I've been very lucky. There's been a lot of really cool things happen in my career. But it's like, it's a t it is luck to an extent, but it's also a combination of you put yourself in position and you worked your butt off and you took risks too. Definitely, like you, yeah. A lot of people wouldn't have had the guts to do that and you stuck with well, it. Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully it worked out. And then the Africa department had the positions open and I wrote to everyone like, if you, like, it doesn't need to be a formal letter, but if you can just put in a good word for me, like horticulture, maintenance, everyone, I was like, please, you've worked with me for almost five years now. Yeah. Like, if you have anything good to say about me or you think I would be okay for You're this position. You're using all your favors. Yes, please, <laughs> yeah. somebody say something. So I, I am very, very great, grateful that 
you know, I got the Africa position because it's definitely my dream department. Yeah, it's such a fun department to work yeah, in. I love the wide variety. And you've taken on, so within the Africa department, we do have this primary system where we all take care of everything and we all kind of rotate through the exhibit. But we do have our primary areas where we tend to spend most of our time and we kind of have most of our expertise in those positions. So for you, that's the hippos and the meerkats. Was that something that, like, you set your sights on and that's what you planned? Or did it kind of just work out that way? Like... No, it truly just worked out that way. And it's funny because before Teresa, you know, our main giraffe primary caretaker and trainer was hired, I was, like, kind of slated to be that person. And um, I was really excited about that. And you know, went to the draft care workshop and came back with mm. all this knowledge and, and things thinking, you know, I would be this giraffe person. And shortly after, um, I think the, oh, oh my gosh, what was the timing of that? Painted Dog Pups and Fiona came in there somewhere. Yeah. And I want to say it was around Fiona where I kind of, well, no, it and must the- have been painted. And the Africa exhibit kind of opened in stages as well, which is something we didn't mention. So, like, initially it was just the lion habitat, the savanna habitat, and the giraffes, correct? Uh, We weren't taking care of the giraffe at that time. Okay. um, So, when I started, it was lion, savanna, painted dogs. Okay. And then meerkats came shortly after that. And then hippos came in 2016. Hippos were a couple years after, yeah. yeah. um, But Teresa came with a ton of training experience and giraffe experience, and she sort of moved over to that um, giraffe primary role. And I was still a swing keeper at that point, filling in, which I loved. I was like, I can't imagine ever not getting to work all of these different (laughs) areas every week. And then, um, yeah, I think I kind of got pulled away to take care of the painted dogs or help with that. I could be completely making this timing up. (laughs) But um, so then eventually we were all helping with Fiona, of course. It was a 25-person team helping out. Um, But as things kind of slowed down as far as worries and she was reintroduced to, you know, BB and Henry. And we were doing interview after interview after interview, like, you know, tours and all sorts of things. The media frenzy the, was insane. Yes, yeah. yes. Everyone was exhausted by it, and I was kind of, like, energized by it. So I ended up picking up all of these extra, you know, PR requests, and eventually kind of just became that hippo. I guess I should have backed up. When the meerkats came, I was obsessed with them. So that was back <laughs> in 2015 when they came, and there wasn't anybody else who had any special interest. So I wasn't necessarily working them more than anyone else, but I was spending any of my extra time that I could with mm. them. So I kind of just like accidentally, or pushed my way into the, the meerkat <laughs> person. But um, I don't know. That just happened naturally, I guess. And then the hippos. That's kind of how I became the hippo person, and it oh, worked God. out that they work well as a routine. They're, you know, their habitats are near one another. The amount of work is pretty good. It balances yeah. out because the hippos are so much work. And then the meerkats, not to say that they're not much work and we don't spend much time caring for them, but like just cleaning. Correct. The, yeah. the cleaning work behind the meerkats is minimal. Right. Yeah. The cleaning work behind the hippos is an event. <laughs> well, thanks to Tucker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so anyways, yeah, some people kind of got tired from all of that and I kind of just became the hippo person and eventually started working them you know so as a primary we usually work our areas like four days a week and then we have a closing shift so yeah back it was probably you know late 2017 or 2018 before I was like the hippo meerkat person I okay think. gotcha but then we that was when we kind of started our primaries more the primary system kind of took hold yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but 
that makes sense. It suits you though, because like you said, like the hippo area, just because of what we have with Fiona, it requires so much PR and so much media attention, and that's something that you're amazing at oh, and that you, you deal with very well. So, like you said, not all keepers are really even interested or suited for that, right. for speaking to the public and doing interviews for the, the news and different media sites and all this stuff. And it's definitely one of your strong suits. So. Yeah, we all have, you know, different strong suits and things that we're better at or more interested in. And yeah. that's something that I definitely don't mind doing and, and really like doing most of the time. So I think, yeah, it helps out that that routine has a lot of that. And, you know, there are other routines where I wouldn't be as well suited for. Yeah. So. It worked yeah, out well. It worked out. But obviously, we have Fiona in 2017. Yes. In January, I guess, 2017. That changes our whole department. Mm -hmm. And then we still have BB and Henry at that point. Yes. Henry passed away in... October. October 2017, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So then for the next, what, three years, I guess, four years even, yeah. we just had BB and Fee. Yes. And that was... I mean, they kept us busy, and again, we were still doing tours and all sorts of things for years still to this day. To this day, yeah. But man, well, so Henry was here. I had, I had yeah. a dose of what male hippos bring to the routine, which is a lot of poop. Like, yeah. everywhere, still on the ceiling from Henry. You know, to this day, yeah. there are spots where you notice it, like, oh, how did I miss that? But um, they dung shower, so... Yeah. They fling their tail as fast as they can while they defecate, and I'm not kidding you, it, it splatters on the ceilings and everywhere. And what's the purpose of the dunk shower? So, you know, it helps spread their scent and marks their territory and, you know, lets other bulls know that this is my space and lets females know that they're there and, you know, kind of, you know, just marks their yeah. territory. So... He's done that everywhere, yeah. all day, every day. <laughs> so we had a couple of years free of dung showering. Until... Oh my gosh, it was so easy. <laughs> Looking back, like it was so easy. Yeah. Just, you know, some shovelfuls of yeah. BB and Fiona poop. And... I know, definitely took it for granted. Because I was not here for Henry while we had him. So I came in with just BB and Fiona and I definitely took it for granted. <laughs> not having to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, I think it definitely added at least an hour to an hour and a half of cleaning a day. Yeah. So it's a lot to fit in for sure but but as far as tucker goes will you talk a little bit about like just kind of ssps and how it all works is this something like i get questions from family members or doing tours and that kind of stuff where people are like did you guys select tucker because you thought he would fit well with bb and that's not quite how it works but no. would you talk about why tucker was the one that came here yeah so we've touched on ssps <clears throat> before spe the species survival plan and Basically, it's a way for us to manage animals in zoos under human care so that we never need to bring animals in from the wild. And that is our goal, right? To have this healthy, genetically diverse population of animals in zoos that can breed. And of course, that means once in a while they have to be sent to other zoos so they can meet other animals with different genetics. Um, and it's our goal to keep these healthy populations. And a part of that is bringing new animals in, sending animals out, and just doing what's best for the animals mm -hmm. um, as a whole, their whole species. But we have to think of individuals too. Um, so based on genetics, we do not know, and it has not been thought of or or calculated yet, if Timothy the hippo that everyone <laughs> seems to think would be a good fit for Fiona will ever be a fit for Fiona. He's so, been paired on social media. Oh, so. man, yes. It's, it's like a... Is there like a fake relationship thing? Is there a title for that where people do it for publicity? Because that's pretty much what it is. I hate to disappoint people, but honestly, um, 
Tucker's genetics and BB's, they are not related, so they are, you know, two animals that could be slated to breed. One of the reasons, though, that Tucker came to us was because he had been alone at San Francisco Zoo for about 10 years, and so the main goal was to just get him a bloat to hang out with. The group of hippos is called a bloat or a pod, so we wanted him to have other hippos to hang out with, and it worked out genetically that he would be a match mm. for BB and even possibly Fiona in the future. Um, so we refer to him as a roommate, not a stepfather. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, and so Tucker was brought here for a few different reasons, and the goal was to just get him settled and happy and healthy and, you know, around other hippos. And he had moved, you know, previously. He was born at uh, Disney Animal Kingdom in 2003. He moved to Topeka in 2009. And I don't know the year, but he did sire a calf while he was at Topeka. Mm. And it turns out that mother was also on birth control. So no way. Tucker has. Tucker. I did <laughs> he not has a way. know that. Yeah. I did not know that mom was also on birth control. <laughs> yes. So um, he has had one other calf, and then um, again, probably based on space and genetics, and the the calf he had was a male. So typically, two adult males would not be able to live together. So I don't know if that played a part in Tucker going to San Francisco or not, but he moved to San Francisco in 2011 and then joined us 10 years later last September, September 6th, yeah. um, which I would love to go into like that whole process. But he came to Cincinnati in, two, in 2021, um, September 6th. And yeah, again, it was to more be like a roommate at the time. And BB was put on contraceptive. We weren't planning on having a baby this soon, but yeah. as most of you probably know, BB is pregnant, and yeah. Tucker once again got a female who was on contraceptives pregnant, so... You know, our plans can only go so far exactly, when nature yes. kicks in. Like. Exactly, for sure. Yeah, but you mentioned he was at San Francisco before this. The event of getting him from a 4,300-pound hippo from San Francisco to Cincinnati... It's a tall task, and it takes a ton of collaboration and a lot of effort between both zoos and third parties. Yeah, like, like transportation yeah, services. Yeah, we talk a little bit about what that process was like. Yeah, so um, the keepers at San Francisco had trained Tucker to be comfortable in a crate. So, I mean, as you can imagine, you can't make a hippo do anything they don't want to do. Mm. So that's where, you know, the relationship building and the patience comes in, which is my favorite part. And they were able to feed him in his crate and get him comfortable in there. So the morning that he was being sent to us, he voluntarily went in a crate, let them shut the doors behind him. Uh, he did it on time as he should. And then he was loaded up. I don't know exactly how he got to the airport from that point. I'm sure he was either on a trailer or in the back of some sort of box truck. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, we take lots of water with misters and things. Hippos don't need to be in water, but it is good for their skin to stay moist. Yeah, more comfortable for yeah. them. Yeah. So he had tons and tons of hay so that he could eat it and as a bed to lay down in, in this giant, massive crate for him to travel in. Um, and they got him to the airport and he was put on a DHL plane. So... You know, something that can carry... I actually don't know a ton about what they carry, but like... Like a cargo plane. Yeah, right? basically, yeah. yeah. Um, all sorts of giant machinery and things. And like you mentioned, he was over 4,000 pounds. And you add on this giant crate. I'm sure overall it was over 5,000 pounds. Yeah, easily. That yeah. crate was massive. <laughs> yes. And then he flew here, you know, from California and arrived around 9.30 p.m. that night. 
And I know we were all like so excited. There were so many of us here to yeah. help with his arrival and to welcome him. And honestly, a ton of our maintenance team who knows how to use cranes that we had to rent and these giant lights because he got here in the dark and mm -hmm. like all sorts of, you know, trucks and things. He had to be taken off the plane and then loaded onto a truck and then taken off of that truck and loaded on, you know, like the crane picked him up yeah. and had to help like guide him to this door that leads into the hippo building. And, but all of us were here anticipating his arrival and we had to wait for, you know, it's about a 40 minute drive from the airport yeah. here. So there were a bunch of us and I don't know. I remember just being so excited. And just that like nervous excitement. You're like a kid on Christmas morning, yes. like waiting for Tucker to arrive. Yeah. yeah. It was so fun. And then just to be here at a time you normally aren't. And like, you know, we went and said hi to the girls who we had kind of locked outside so that yeah. he would have the place to himself and it wouldn't be too crazy when he first stepped out. But it was really quite the sight to see. Like, and wouldn't you say like 20 or more people were here to help with that? Oh, at least, yeah. 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 I mean, between the maintenance crews, us, and then they sent one of um, his caretakers from San Francisco. And um, yeah, it took a while to get it all set up and get, you know, his crate positioned correctly so that it was, you know, backed up to a door and he mm -hmm. could exit. But he had been in there for a while. Overall, he was only crated for about 12 hours, which I know that sounds like a lot, but also like some people probably have had to crate their dog for that long yeah. to transfer a giant hippo from across the country, across country to here yeah. and get him out in 12 hours. I was really impressed by him and all of the work that it took from yeah. everyone. And... Uh, Mark actually wanted to do the honors of opening this door that we have a special <laughs> lock and a special key for because it literally opens from the barn to the, you know, the, the driveway, the driveway, the driveway yeah, to the yeah. zoo, like the behind the scenes area of the zoo. But, um, we don't ever want to make a mistake or accidentally open yeah. that door with, and somehow allow a hippo out. So there's like special keys, special, um, lock that we keep on it and we hide the key and, you know, anyways, so Mark. It's one of those things, like, this door has not been operated in years, right. and it's like, I've sat and looked at this door every time I've worked the hippo routine, and wondered, what would it be like if we got to open that? <laughs> it's really not that special, like, the door moves just like all the others, but I get why you wanted to do it. You had to say you did it, and it won't happen very often. But, so I remember, like, the back of the crate was open, you were opening the door, mm. and my jaw just dropped. Like, he was massive yeah like so tall i could not believe it because this the crate was like concrete and steel reinforced and it had these slats where you could peek through but you couldn't really get a glimpse of his whole body and right. we don't want to like put our faces up to this right, crate yeah. it's a stressful event for tucker so we're trying to be respectful of that and we don't want to be like peeking in and making noise on him so we were really only seen like these slivers of yeah. him. We hadn't really seen the whole picture of how right. how large he was until the crate door opened. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, I just, he's like a, I don't know why I say this because he's bigger than a horse, but he's like a, a horse. He's tall like he's a horse. He's so tall. He's yeah. so tall. And then it took a little while to convince him because he had a bunch of hay back behind his feet. And then, of course, he was coming out backwards. So... It took a minute before he decided he was comfortable to come out mm -hmm. and we were calling to him and then also tried just being quiet and a few different things and it didn't take too long, but eventually he came out and I just like seriously could not, could not believe yeah. it. His head feels like it's the size of Fiona's body. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's giant. 
Um, and they didn't have a, a scale in San Francisco, so they weren't sure exactly how much he weighed. So we were all guessing, and I was like, he's got to be 4,500 <laughs> pounds. He is massive. Um, but yeah, so then he came out, and he was a little shy, for sure. I, I think where I was so used to Bibi and Fiona, and even Henry, like, when they first arrived, they were not shy, and they did, you know... They ate and approached us right away, but Tucker definitely came from a different situation where he was alone and they were kind of careful, like safety wise, with how he would interact with his keepers. So they didn't do a ton of hands-on training. Like you've probably seen us mm. like rubbing our hippos mouths and, you know, checking their teeth and all sorts of things where they kind of um, didn't do a ton of that. So he wasn't super used to being like touched and up in people's faces. Obviously they fed him and they worked with him with the crate training and he knows a few behaviors, but, um, he definitely didn't have an appetite and he went into the pools and just kind of hung out there. And I remember eventually everybody left and I stayed with him until about midnight or one, I forget midnight or one, just to make sure he had settled in. Okay. And, and I just like sat there staring at him. He has these teddy bear ears. Like, do you, do you agree with that description? Like, his ears kind of fold forward yeah, and they, they seem do. really little for his head. They do. And then I just love his freckles or like his white yeah. spots. So he was really cute and we just kind of let him have the barn to himself overnight. And um, so, yeah, it was a really, really exciting day. And. But you can imagine, like, I think of like, you know, when, when I make a cross country trip or fly not even cross country, flying to Atlanta or Mm -hmm. something from Cincinnati. I'm exhausted after the flight. I'm ready to relax, sit on the couch, take a nap, whatever. He came cross country on a 12-hour trip. I can imagine he's worn out just from the whole thing. Yeah, Definitely. And then, I mean, who knows? He could have had jet lag. There is a three-hour time difference. And we kind of noticed that in the mornings it seemed like eventually after a few weeks he would come out earlier and earlier out of the pool but it seemed like he needed time to adjust. He's like, what are you, why are you trying to feed me at four in the morning? Yeah. You know, like, cause we would come in at seven and, um, it did take him a few weeks to get really comfortable and just come out immediately like the mm-hmm. girls do for food. So that was something that I enjoyed, but was a little worried about, like, I enjoyed building that relationship and trying to get him to trust us over those mm-hmm. few weeks and like come up for food and such. So, I mean, I imagine if I moved somewhere and didn't know anybody, I'd be a little shy too, but yeah. overall he it took him longer than the others that I had worked with, but overall he did really well and settled yeah. in quickly. And what was the process of integrating him with BB and Fiona like? Like <sighs> you had mentioned the night he got here, BB and Fiona were on locked out on exhibit to kind of keep Tucker some private space in the barn. But how long did it take before they met each other, before they actually got to share space and all that kind of stuff? Man, it wasn't very long at all. You know, sometimes drawing things out with introductions, depending on the species, can make it worse. So we had gates between them and you know, gave him some space, but I think it was less than a week we were doing Mm. intros. I should have, you know, gone back and looked at notes because, again, I have a terrible memory, and especially with timelines, but I think it was within a week or two we were, you know, oh, we did need a, we do do a quarantine, so we were collecting fecals, making sure that he, you know, didn't bring any parasites with him, so... Um, yeah, it must've been a couple weeks then. And once we started those intros and he was allowed to be near the girls and we knew his fecals were clear, um, we noticed that the girls were very, very excited to see him. Mm -hmm. And based on their behaviors, just, you know, 
huffing at him or like blowing their nose at him, um, eating next to him without showing any like aggression or seeming territor territorial, um, different things like that we were looking for. And then of course, Fiona and Bibi can fit their heads through these gates and he wasn't showing any signs of aggression towards them, which makes sense. He shouldn't like they're females. He should want to be around them. Yeah. Um, so once we saw that they could eat near one another with a gate between them and that sort of thing, we decided to just kind of go for it outside where there was the most space and you know we had Tucker out first so when BB came in he was already in the water and honestly things went really well right away we were very mm -hmm. very happy because I mean Fiona's really small compared to compared him. to him for sure yeah she's still less than 2,000 pounds when he got here um, after a few weeks we weighed him and he was about uh, 4,230 pounds and um, I mean he was more than twice her size yeah. and obviously we don't want any of our animals to get hurt but of course fiona has this <laughs> extra pressure of like yeah. okay are we really ready for this is everything going to go okay and i mean he did fantastic with bb for a few hours so we decided to just add fiona in and we were planning on possibly taking you know a few days or a week to do that but he was such a gentleman and yeah. he still is to this day. It might actually be a flaw at this point. Like <laughs> he needs to stand up for himself a little bit. Uh, so intros went really well. And yeah. honestly, um, you know, there were some times where he was getting a little bit picked on and BB kind of reassured him that she's the boss and she was the boss at St. Louis where she came from with other females. BB's like the said, boss. Yeah. Make no she's mistake. definitely yeah. the boss, but she's so sweet and she's smart and BB is truly like, I was thinking about this the other day. One of the easiest animals I've ever worked with. Like, she's just really reliable and a great trainer. Mm. And Anyway, so Bibi's just doing her thing. She's protecting her baby, you know. But Yeah. So Tucker's had a few scars added to him. But thankfully, hippos are so tough and their skin is really, really thick. Like, the outer layers are, are thin and sensitive, but it's about two inches thick. Um, and so he's never needed any medical attention, not even like an ointment. And that's also yeah. thanks to their blood sweat, which has like antiseptic properties, essentially like having their own neosporin built yeah, in. Yeah, it's constantly so, just secreting from their skin. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. and he's, he's learned to stand up for himself a little bit, which is good. I like to see that he needs to stand up for himself, but honestly, this is, this will be a whole nother episode about BB's pregnancy, but that was one of the behavior changes that I noticed that you know, kind of signal that BB might be pregnant is she started to just leave him alone. Yeah. And I thought maybe they were just getting along much better, <laughs> but it turns out I think it has to do more with something the else was going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's yeah. done, he's done great and he's making strides, but he's definitely a shire hippo. Again, I'm not an expert in hippos and I've only worked with, you know, four of them now, but based on the other three that I've worked mm. with, he's definitely on the shire side and he lets, um, us touch him and things, but he doesn't want like the full on mouth massage yet. He, you know, he's just a little more timid. I yeah. think it takes, it definitely takes some time with him. Cause I obviously don't work over there nearly as frequently with you. And I feel like for me with the amount of time I've spent with him, I'm just now starting to come around where he's trusting me and he's letting me, you know, touch him, do a little bit of tactile with him. And he's more interested in food now when I'm over there and stuff yeah. like that. But I mean, it's, it's typical of animals. It takes time to build those relationships. And I was, you had kind of mentioned how like, you know, BB would kind of be a little bit protective at first. That was something for me that was like actually kind of fun and interesting to see was BB protect Fiona initially yeah. because like she really took on that kind of like maternal instinct of this is a male hippo and the wild male hippos are known to show aggression towards calves and young ones. Mm -hmm. So 
BB was just protecting Fee, and it was kind of nice to see, honestly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She yeah. does such a good job, She's definitely. such a good girl, I know. Yeah, we always question, like, does she know Fiona's her daughter? And I, honestly, I, I think so. But all I know is she does treat her like she yeah. is one or at least a calf. And a knows, calf, yeah. Yeah, which she hardly is anymore, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Um, yeah, BB's done a really good job, and Tucker's done a really good job. Honestly, one of the questions I wanted, I get a lot, and I wanted to make sure we talked about was, why doesn't Tucker come to the wall? Does he get fed? Is he getting all of his yeah. food? Why aren't we giving him snacks? And I just wanted to, like, settle everyone's worries and ease your minds that Tucker gets plenty of food, and he's continued to get a diet increase since he's been here. Um, he's already up to 4,380 pounds. He was a little bit on the lean side um, when he arrived, and he's in good shape. And we would like our animals to be leaner rather than overweight, especially, you know, when they have giant bodies like that. Yeah. And you don't want their joints to have a, have any issues, especially as they age. But um, we have increased his diet. He gets so much food. He gets 36 pounds of hay a day. He gets close to 20 or more pounds of lettuce, cucumber, mm -hmm. and squash. He gets 11 pounds of grain um, and... Most of it, though, you're just not seeing him get it out on habitat. Yeah. So the girls, obviously, are really comfortable with coming to the wall. They love it. They know they get snacks there. Tucker, they enjoy the tours, too. Yes, yeah, yeah. Those girls love it. <laughs> so they all have an allotted amount of food, and, you know, it's kind of individualized. And if Tucker's not getting it out where you can see it, I promise you, we've saved it, and he's mm. getting it in the back. So since we know, a, you know, a certain weight that he's getting, we can weigh it out and make sure he gets what he needs. So we have been seeing him come up a lot more often, though. But, I mean, you have to remember, BB is there. So he... And BB's the boss. <laughs> yes. If BB is there, he's very unlikely to come over. So it yeah. has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with us not allowing it. Again, we can't make a hippo do anything. If he <laughs> wants to come to that wall, I'm definitely not jumping in and yeah. stopping him. So, uh, but the good news is it's really fun to see him. I always try and bring something I can throw him. You know, if he comes over, he likes to hang out about 10 feet back and open his mouth and just wait for food. So um, that's what he's been doing a lot of the times. But he's come over a handful of times to the wall where he's close enough to let me touch him and, like, feed him. But it is not us. It is BB or just his own nerves, and he's getting, you know, yeah. more comfortable every day. So we promise Tucker is getting plenty of food. I've also kind of noticed, too, like, at least from my experience over there, He's not super motivated by produce. Produce doesn't seem to be his favorite food, and produce is what we feed over right. at the wall for tours or for VIP events or for whatever it is. And I don't think that's his biggest motivator. Like, correct. I don't correct me if I'm wrong. He seems to really enjoy the grain and the hay yeah. more than anything. Like, I've I've definitely seen more interest, which is a good thing, and I'm happy to see in the produce. But for sure, if you wanted to motivate motivate BB or Fiona. You could use wool, just about anything, but <laughs> one piece of lettuce will do. But produce in general is really motivating for them. Where Tucker, if you shake some grain or or hay, I honestly think hay is probably his favorite his thing. His favorite. Yeah, so we have things, um, a product that we call Timothy Cubes, and it's just compressed hay into cubes, so you can you know, toss it or make noise with it in a bucket if you shake it. And if I, if I see that he's not feeling motivated to get out of the pools in the mornings, then that's something I'll throw hay couple or of treats grain. For him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas if I throw a lettuce, he might just stare at it. Even if it's a whole lettuce, lettuce. Yeah. whole head of lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they all have different motivators and that's part of our job is figuring out what those motivators are mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. It's definitely been fun though. 
getting yeah. to kind of acclimate him to the rest of the group and yeah. having him around. It's definitely, like you said at the top, though, it's definitely added an insane amount of work. Yes. Work over there has, I feel like it's almost doubled the routine. Yes. <laughs> so Tucker doesn't just poop in piles like the girls. It's everywhere. So now we have to clean the outdoor habitat, which was very rare in the past. Mm-hmm. We would just sweep up some hay and sand and didn't really have to pick up poop. But now it's inside and outside. He's marking it. Um, if you get to see him dung shower, it's actually kind of cool thing to see. Um, but yeah, he's doing well overall. He's really fun. We're very excited to have him here. And, you know, most of, most of you probably know he did... Um, get BB pregnant. Our best guess was mid-December, so with an eight-month gestation period, we are looking at another calf joining us in August. Fingers crossed everything goes well and Mm -hmm. BB, you know, has a full-term baby. Um, But yeah, otherwise, Tucker's just been hanging out. I've seen him napping next to the girls more now. He's not quite used to being a pillow yet, so Fiona (laughs) and BB love to lay on top of one another. I'll watch him. He's like, what are you doing? Like, and he'll sit there for a few minutes and then he gets up and moves. Like, I don't really want you laying on top of me, but we're really excited. And we are celebrating his birthday, May 18th, which is most likely when some of you are listening to this, his birthday. Um, and simple truth is sponsoring it, which is awesome. awesome. So they're one of our, our zoo sponsors and they're sponsoring Tucker's birthday party. So we'll have lots of simple truth, um, produce that will be given to him and it's in his ice cake and we were actually doing some jello jigglers so oh, how fun we've been working with our nutritionist barbara henry to find the right um like thickness and amount of gelatin and everything that'll help these jello jigglers stick to the windows oh like the right consistency yes okay. yeah so i'm imagining them like window clings you you know you can like stick those like jelly things to your windows to decorate for different holidays or whatever. That's what I'm envisioning for his birthday party. Um, and he's, like I said, he's getting a five layer ice cake. He'll get lots of extra produce, his favorites, you know, beets and watermelon and honeydew and all sorts of things. So I I know we'll get some video. I'm not sure if we'll do a live at this point or if there's a live happening right now as today. (laughs) As we're hearing this, I guess we're, we're sending this out or sharing this on his birthday, but yeah, we'll be celebrating his 19th birthday. Yeah. It's amazing. It'll be a ton of fun for sure. And, He's sure to enjoy the treats. The girls are sure to get any scraps that he leaves behind. I'm guessing they'll actually get the jello jiggers. We'll give him some time out there alone to do it, but we'll see if he actually figures it out or goes up to the Yeah, it goes for the window. I'll be curious to see that too. Because it's really interesting getting to see the girls get treats off the windows. They'll get on their kind of hind feet and they'll put their front feet up on the glass. It's really cute. Yeah, their giant tongue comes out. It's quite the view, I think. It's my favorite thing to do for them. Um, There was one thing I wanted to mention about Tucker that used to be kind of something people questioned was, did we change his name? And I just wanted to make sure Mm. people who knew him as Brian Wilson, that, um, he was born named Tucker and then he kind of had a stage name, Brian Wilson. And we, and he was always called Brian or always called Tucker by his keeper. So we didn't change it or make things harder on Mm -hmm. him. We actually kept it easy on him and went with his, you know, original name that he knows and responds to the best. So, uh, we didn't change his name for our sake or anything. It's all for Tucker. Uh, and we call him Tucker, of course. And, um, yeah, so we're really excited to have him here. And if you're visiting the zoo, he's super easy to tell apart, obviously just because of his size. Like you mentioned, he's so massive, you know, BB's going to weigh in around, she floats around 3,500 pounds or Mm so. Tucker weighs, what, eight or 900 more pounds than she does at this point. He's massive. Yeah. But he's also got these spots. Yeah. Will you talk a little bit about those kind of identifying spots that he has? Yeah. So oh, we don't know a whole lot about them other than 
they are not birthmarks because he was not born with them. If you see pictures of him as a younger hippo, he doesn't have them, which I think is really neat. Um, they aren't causing him any issues. He has family members with them, so we believe it's genetic. And honestly, I'm kind of hoping this calf, I, I'm guessing the calf won't be born with them, but we call them freckles or yeah. white spots. We don't know what to call them, but... Um, if, He's only got a handful of them, just kind of around his cheeks and then around his feet. As yeah, well. yeah, yeah. But it's really neat to have an identifier, and they make him really unique. So yeah. I, I wouldn't mind if the calf ends up with them too. So I think yeah, the same thing. I think they're really endearing. I think they're really cute. Definitely. Yeah. So it's some sort of genetic uh, skin thing that doesn't do any harm, but it is a really easy way to tell him apart because once in a while. If you can't see them compared, to, like if they're not next to one another mm. and you can't see like this one's the biggest and this one's the smallest. I can see how it could be hard to tell them apart, but his white spots definitely yeah. give him away. It's a pretty easy tell. Yeah. But I know it's definitely been fun having the three of them out there on Hippo Cove though. Yes. Um, Overall, they're doing great and no one's been hurt and they, <laughs> Fiona loves him. So. Oh man. Fiona, Fiona thinks that Tucker was a toy yes. brought in just for her to play with. Definitely. <laughs> New oh, entertainment. Man while baby naps yeah for real yeah for real it's been fun though but i do have some trivia for you okay if you're down is there anything you wanted to share about tucker or the hippos or i, I think we're gonna try and do just a bb pregnancy yeah, episode we'll so that. we'll save a lot of the bb pregnancy talk for yeah definitely another day but um no i mean i don't think <laughs> i mean the the coolest thing was just bringing him in and i hope we painted that picture well enough for you guys how much it takes and how many yeah. Different, you know, machinery and people and things that it takes to bring in a hippo and how well he did. But yeah. like you said, just the collaboration of that was incredible. Cause like you've got our ma our maintenance department mm -hmm. here. You've also got these third party truck drivers and crane operators operating this heavy machinery. And then you've got the animal department here who are partly just here to, for the event and to watch it but, yes. and learn from it, but also here to monitor his behavior and monitor the girls while they're inside. And yes. just so many different departments coming together and not just departments, but like even external people who aren't working at our zoo. Right. Like, <laughs> I wish I knew the name of this tow truck company, but this, it was a holiday weekend. Like it was Labor Day it was weekend Labor Day. and he was brought here on the back of a tow truck. So, mm -hmm. you know, they, they were excited. I think the people who were able to bring him in, of course, because who can say they've moved to hippo before, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I imagine it was something that a ton of people didn't want to work on this, you know, late Friday night on Labor Day weekend. But yeah, there were third parties helping out all over the place. And yeah. that's really cool to see. For sure. It was one of those special events that's really fun to be here. You don't bring in a hippo very often, yeah. so. Oh, it's... and back to the like whole SSP thing. The the goal would be that Tucker gets to live out his life here. So you mm. know there is you know genetic diversity that we have to take into the majority of the um, conversation and like how we base things off of. But we do look at an animal's life and how often they move. And so we're hoping that Tucker will, will stay here and spend the rest of his life here unless it's really important for the hippo, you know, population in general. And so yeah, that he were to move and breed somewhere else Correct. potentially. Yeah. 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 But we're going to cherish him. Yeah. As long as he's here, we're going to yes. cherish him. He's fun. Yes. <laughs> like you said, he's just such a gentleman. I just, I can't get over how calm. And you hear these stories about male. I've like I said before, I wasn't here for Henry, so I'd never worked around a male hippo, and I know Henry was really calm and relaxed too, but like, you kind of hear stories about the aggression that male hippos will exhibit sometimes, and I was a little nervous bringing Tucker in, like, what's this going to be like? Is he going to be this really kind of alpha, aggressive male? And 
it could not be more opposite. No. <laughs> he is so laid back. He's so chill. He's so mellow. Like, yeah. we're really lucky to have him here for sure. Yeah, he's done great. And it's actually something I like about him is it's going to be a challenge to really build this trust. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't like that. He doesn't like automatically feel super comfortable. I, I wish that for him, but I think it'll be fun getting to know him and like seeing his personality shine and just figuring figuring out what works for him best. Yeah, he's already come out of his shell so much just yeah. in the couple months he's been here. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see it. It's only going to continue getting better. Yeah, yeah, and see him with the baby. Hopefully oh, things man. go well with that. <laughs> That's a whole other beast. Yeah, right yeah. There. <laughs> oh man, you ready for some trivia though? I guess let's see how yeah. much I can embarrass right. myself. Um. With your expertise, <laughs> these are all number-related questions because oh, I know Mark. that's your favorite. People are like, why do you even do this, Mark? <laughs> She's going to be so wrong. Okay. All right, question number one. Oh, no. Either hippo-related or semi-hippo-related questions. Question one, we've got four total. This is a question that I got on multiple hippo tours that I did. I didn't know the answer, and eventually I was like, I got to go look this up. I didn't know this was such a hot topic that people wanted to know about. What is a hippo's bite force? 1,800 PSI. 1,800 yes! per square inch. You got it on the dot, yeah. So I'm pretty sure they have the strongest of any mammal. Yeah. Where a crocodile has stronger bite force, but they're not a mammal. So. Correct. That's what I read it too. Yeah, strongest of any mammal. For comparison's sake, like people always think like big cats must have these super powerful bites. A lion's is about 650 to 700 PSI. Huge difference. So the hippo's bite force is three times that of a lion. I, I, I imagine, well, their heads are huge with all those yeah. jaw muscles, but also with like, they can open their mouth about 160 degrees. So almost a straight line, you know? And I bet that helps with like... All right, you got question number two. Yes. <laughs> question yes. number two. How Even wide can they open their mouth? Today. About 150, 160 degrees. So. Yeah, so... Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. They can just wrap their mouths around just about yeah, anything. It's insane to see. And especially like... If you are able to do like a hippo tour or even not even necessarily just a tour, like if you watch some videos that we have posted on on social media pages about feeding the hippos and just getting to see the front view of their mouths open is like semi-terrifying and inspiring (laughs) and captivating all at the same time. I mean, it's been six years, more than six years now, and every time they open their mouth, especially Tucker, like... Sometimes I'll just be doing a tour feeding the girls and he'll be at the far end by the waterfall and he'll open his mouth and like, they kind of stand up out of the water. Yeah. They like rise up with their mouth completely open. And I'm using all these hand gestures from Mark here and <laughs> you can see, but, and I just stop what I'm doing. I'm like, ah, it's so cool. Yeah. Even to this day. So yeah, no, it Very never, impressive. and it's just so fun when you do, are doing the tours and you hear like the whole crowd, cause Hippo Cove is obviously always very crowded. People yes. come to see Fiona, but when the hippos do it, you just hear this whole crowd reaction, these oohs and ahs from the people. And it's like, just one of those moments. It just reminds you what you're here for. Yeah. And, how lucky yeah, we are to how have How lucky job. we are. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. All right. You're two for two so far. Yes. You're off to a strong start. <laughs> for once. Question number three. This is where the stuff's going to get a little tricky. Uh, Tucker came from San Francisco. It's a long trip. Oh, no. Don't As the crow miles. flies, how many miles is it oh, from San dear. Francisco to Cincinnati? As the crow or DHL plane that Tucker <laughs> came on flies. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm just going to embarrass myself. Is it like 5,000 miles? Not quite 5,000. It's about 2,036 <laughs> miles. <laughs> That's it? 2,000 miles about. I was off to such a good start. <laughs> wow. Okay. Not quite that far. About 2,000 miles. That's a long trip for Tuckman. That is like, a long trip. But still, to do all that in just 12 hours... 
the loading from the zoo, the crane to get him onto the truck, the crane to get him onto the plane, the mm. plane, all that stuff to get him back to Cincinnati. And it was a long trip, but worthwhile. And honestly, they made amazing time. Yeah, getting definitely. Him here, yeah. All right, question number four. Tucker weighs, you said, about 3,000, 3,000, I'm sorry, about 4,300 pounds, mm-hmm. give or take. Fitting that Tucker makes a huge mess with his dung, how many rolls of toilet paper would fit in 4,300 pounds? <laughs> so we all know what a roll of TP looks like. Your average roll of toilet paper, how many would fit in 4,300 pounds. I really pounds. don't like you right now. <laughs> the equivalent of Tucker. It's just going to embarrass me how terrible I am at <laughs> guessing. So what, is like a 12-pack of toilet paper one pound? I don't know. Um, and then you're making me do math. I know, this is a tough one. You got to do the conversion in your head. How much does toilet paper weigh? I don't even know. Like, Oh, my gosh. 50,000 rolls. You're a little high. You're a little high. So... The average roll of toilet paper, according to Google, is going to be about seven to eight ounces. So based on that, we're talking roughly 8,600 rolls of toilet paper. That's it? Roughly, yeah, about 8,600 rolls. I was insane. <laughs> and also the things you've Googled to find oh, questions. You don't want to see my answers. Google history. <laughs> About 8,600, yeah. That's assuming the average roll is about 7 or 8 ounces. That's a heavy roll of toilet paper. You yeah. must be getting that expensive stuff. Getting the, get the Charmin. <laughs> <laughs> wow, well, thank you for embarrassing me. I thought I was starting off strong. For what it's worth, you got the went. hippo-related questions. There we go. There we go. At least I got those. Uh, I oh, feel man. like I talked a lot. I hope I just didn't bore everyone to death but we appreciate everyone listening hope you learned some more about tucker and our hippos and happy happy birthday tucker yeah happy birthday to tucker hope you guys enjoyed this episode it's always fun for me and jenna just it's a little more (laughs) relaxed just to be able to record just an episode with just the two of us so it's definitely a fun different experience but we always enjoy it but happy birthday to tucker thank y'all for joining us for another episode we appreciate all the listeners anyone who wants to share a post wishing tucker happy birthday today He appreciates it. We'll have to show him. We'll we, have to we have a card. So if you're showing up, a giant hippo-sized card for you to, uh, to send your wishes to Tucker that oh, you can awesome. sign. And yeah, we'll show awesome. it to him. Don't worry. That'll be fun for we'll sure. We'll read all of them. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> see how many people come today. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. Have a good one.